0: So many uh, good and sad things happening uh, right now uh, at Christ City. We're really gonna miss Tim and Jackie. Um, and when I think about um, good things and, and, and good news, it uh, makes me think of these folks, uh, the Bereans in this passage. And it also brings up the question for me that I wanna ask to you is, have you ever been excited about something that sounded really good? and you believed it without any good reason to believe that. Like, ooh, I really like the color of this car, and I hear, you know, it's fast, and so I'm going to buy that car, right? Some people actually have bought cars just based on the color of the car. Um, I know, I know one personally. Or have you ever met somebody... You went out on a date or something, and maybe this was somebody that your friends kind of already knew, and, you, and you're like, oh, uh, he said this to me, and I just got a really good feeling about this, and I'm, I, I just believe this is gonna be a great relationship. And all your friends are like, oh my God, I can't believe that she thinks that about this guy. Had a good feeling about it, but then the relationship doesn't turn out the way you wanted. We have a tendency sometimes to just believe things that sound good to us without checking it out, without seeing what's really going on behind the scenes. Um, I'm thankful because I'm married to somebody who very rarely does that. We just bought a minivan. We're expecting our third child, Becky and I, we bought a minivan this week. And um, that was the sum accumulation of maybe 30 hours of research. So I'm thankful I have more of a Berean-type wife who hears good things, but also checks it out. So that's what we're gonna be exploring today is how do we think more like the Bereans in these texts who when we were able to hear good things with eagerness and anticipation, but we also check it out. That's very important for people of faith. So this is the question that I want us to answer, rephrasing it, Um, what allowed the Bereans to be open-minded and eager to hear Paul? We're going to look at four four things. We're going to look at their practice, their analysis, their community, and their humility. And after that, I'm going to leave us with uh, a warning and a challenge about this idea about accepting uh, new things quickly and what we do with that. So when we look at this text, we see here uh, that when Paul comes there, he comes into the Jewish synagogue, and we've seen this many times before in the book of Acts. This is what Paul does most of the time when he gets to a new city. We're following Paul through the book of Acts on his missionary journeys in this part of the series we're on called God Speak. And so he comes to the synagogue. Last week, he was in uh, Thessalonia. And this week, he comes, and he has a very particular... Response from these group of people. It says that they would receive the message in verse 11 with great eagerness and examine the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So he comes into this synagogue like normal. A lot of times what happens, some people end up, you know, believing the message. Some people cause a big uh, ruckus and try to kick them out, and that'll happen later on, but it's very interesting here that Paul particularly says of these people, or Luke does, the writer of of the book of Acts, says that they received it with eagerness. So like when we started out, there's a lot of us, we can receive something that sounds good to us with eagerness and just accept it, right? Be like, oh, yeah, that's got to be it. That's true. We're in a, a cultural whirlwind right now of where we're finding out so many scientists and us. Uh, 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 People who analyze culture, sociologists are baffled right now by how much that's actually true of people in our country, that regardless of if it's true, we'll believe it if it sounds good to us. But the Bereans had this very unique and special ability that, that I hope that at Christ City we're cultivating and can continue to cultivate, where we hear something and it might sound good to us, but we also check it out we also find out, we also go back, and we test that information, and we talk about it. So how did the Bereans do this? What was the building blocks for this culture that they had there? One thing was their practice, the practice that they had, or their tradition. So within a synagogue, it, it would be different an ancient synagogue would be different than churches right now. I'm up here talking, and whether or not you think what I'm saying follows logic and reason or sounds good, you really can't say anything about it, because that would break cultural norms, right? So I could say anything. I could say something to Zach and right up here, and I could talk about him, and he, he wouldn't feel like he could say anything back. Would you? <laughs> I'm not going to say anything about you. Uh, But that was different than the synagogue context. People gathered. Somebody read from the scriptures and everybody was supposed to be able to lead a discussion about the scriptures that were being read and they would talk about it. And so there was an understanding, an idea that from time to time, somebody might propose a different way of looking at one of these scriptures or a different context for how that might apply to the world that they lived in. There wasn't really a lot of things in a lot of these synagogues that were out of bounds to talk about. Many of us grew up in some kind of world where in church you talked about spiritual things and then... Outside of that, that's where you talked about everything else. But this wasn't the case in these ancient synagogues. All those things were intertwined. So if you're talking about a passage in Isaiah, well, you're going to be talking about the empire. You're going to be talking about Caesar. You're going to be talking about uh, the job that you did for that person the other day. And you're going to be wrestling back and forth with what is the right uh, action, and the right attitudes and behaviors for someone who belongs with the people of God. And the Bereans must have took this practice very seriously for them when Paul came in with this new way of looking at the scriptures to be able to receive it with eagerness. It doesn't say they received it with anger or rage or all skepticism, but actually with eagerness to hear something new hmm is that true of us is that true of me that when i hear a different person's perspective on the scriptures and the traditions of my faith that i can listen with eagerness to see what it might be that i could gain from that type of perspective so they had that in common with one another um I think about this in my own life where I have seen people practicing a different way of life. So for instance, have you ever been to somebody's house for dinner, especially when you were like a kid and you go spend the night at a friend's house and you just notice they do things differently at their dinner table? Like maybe in your house, Your mom brings everything to the table, but at this family's house, everybody has a job and a duty and they have to bring different things to the table. Or maybe at your dinner table, you don't really talk that much. But at your friend's dinner table, they're all of a sudden talking about what's going on in their lives and they're getting like into deep emotional conversations and you're like, what? I didn't know a family could do this, right? Can anybody relate to those type of experiences? Or if you've ever been in a place where you were just the cultural minority. It could be a different part of town. It could be another country. I remember when I was 15, I I got to go to Haiti on a missions trip and I was walking with this dude and we were talking and uh, we're about the same age and he reached over and held my hand while we were walking. And uh, I was like, okay, that's different. And I kind of looked around to make sure none of the other teenage dudes on the trip that were American were with me. I'm like, okay, they weren't, so I'm gonna keep holding his hand and we'll walk. And I thought, uh, as I thought about that in the moment and since then, I was like, that's really cool. Like, it's really cool that I could walk together with this dude and we could talk. And that just made it feel, So much like we were friends, like we were on the same page, like it would be harder for me to break away with him in disagreement about something just because we were holding hands while we were walking. I was like, that's pretty cool about that tradition, about that way of living life. One time when I was in China, uh, we, it was a mission trip, and we were sitting around with these different folks, and it was, we were helping with a kid's camp because, you know, it was a mission trip. So that's what you do on mission trips, right? You help with kids' camps. Um, and we were at a break with all the adults, and uh, we were talking about something. And this group of Christians, some of these guys were convinced about, um, like, the Old Testament kingdom, and they were going to, like, topple the communist government, And so we got into a big discussion about this. They're like, yeah, David did that and all that kind of stuff. And we're like, no, that's not really what Jesus is about. And we were having this discussion. And this guy named Mark who brought us there, a Chinese guy, he started pulling all the tables together. And he's like, we're gonna have a big discussion about this. And he was so excited and so happy. And he was just reaching out, grabbing everybody's tables and pulling them together. And he made this big circle and we had this big discussion about it. And it was really fun and energetic and enlivening. Uh, entertaining and scary. It was a lot of things. And it was just really cool to see the different way that different people do things. And I began to learn and notice there is so much that I can benefit from that. That's what the Bereans were like. They had a practice. They had a way of doing things where they were eager to discuss new ideas, not eager just to accept whatever new ideas were being discussed, but eager to hear and engage in those type of conversations, almost as if their hand was held by another person. So that was one of the the amazing things that the Bereans were able to do, but that wasn't it. They also took it and checked it out. What is it that this guy Paul is saying? He's saying a lot of stuff. He's saying that the proper understanding of the scriptures about this dude named Jesus, we thought he was coming in to take over everything, and he died and was resurrected, and now he's Lord. Okay, uh, the way you're describing that, Paul, sounds really interesting. It actually sounds really amazing, but we gotta go check this out. Like, we gotta check this out. We're not just gonna receive all this and just believe in it like some of the other towns did. The Bereans said, nah, we gotta look this out. So they, through their practice, they checked things out. They looked at things. They had a plumb line, if you will, Ray, a plumb line, of the prophetic utterances of God through the scriptures. And so anytime they heard an idea, they were excited, but then they walked it back and said, "Let's keep studying this. Let's keep looking at this together." So what they had, what they had, is they had hope with some healthy skepticism. They had hope with a healthy skepticism, as opposed to hope with escapism. Let me explain the difference. Hope of skepticism is, I hope that something about this new reality is true, that it's true for my life, but I have to check it out. I gotta talk about it. I gotta wrestle with it. I gotta make sure that the parameters I have within my faith and my culture, that we can wrestle through this and question it and analyze it but there is a type of analysis of things that can lead to paralysis. You can analyze something to death to where there cannot be any hope left in a thing. So they had hope with a healthy dose of skepticism, not hope as escapism. So the opposite of kind of analyzing something to death would be to not analyze anything at all. I just hope it's true. I just hope it's real so I can escape this world. I hope, even though I did no research and I didn't really talk to anybody about this used car, I really like it. I really like this person. And I'm just gonna bank on my hope that everything's gonna turn out really well. Anybody ever done that before? Am I all by myself up here? I'm the only one who's ever made one of those decisions. And then you're all of a sudden like the transmission went out or he blasted me on social media or he broke up with me on text, right? I'm not the only one, right? So that difference there was within the Berean way of analyzing things. They had hope with skepticism, but not hope as escapism. So they had a practice. They had a way of analyzing scripture. They also had a sense of community that we've been talking about. They knew who they were and what that community was about. So what they knew is that they were the Jewish people, which meant that they were the people of God, which meant that if they questioned things or they questioned the way something was interpreted, that that would not put them in jeopardy of losing their status as a child of God. And we need to hear that today because many of us grew up in a culture where if you asked a particular question, if you decided, I'm not so sure about that, that somebody told you, you weren't a child of God anymore, that you were kicked out into the utter darkness with weeping and gnashing of teeth because you did not at every moment hold all of the right ideas and concepts in your mind. But the Bereans weren't like that. They said, it's on the table. We are the people of God. This is our job. It's our job to look at these scriptures, to look at these interpretations and say, what does it mean for our life? This person said this, this teacher, this rabbi said this, and this one said this. So what do we do? How do we live? What should our practice around these things be in our context, in our world? And so they were able to do that because they knew who they were. Do you know that you're a child of God? That you are within the kingdom of God and his family? That through Jesus Christ, that you don't have to earn your place. You don't have to know all the answers and you can't know all the answers. Someone asked me last year, do you believe in absolute truth? Kind of in frustration, trying to kind of pin me down on something in the scriptures. And I say, sure, I I believe in absolute truth. I just don't know it. I just don't know it. Yeah, see, Siri don't know it either. I don't know. <laughs> I know that absolute truth is God, that he uh, is, is that. That is where absolute truth is. But all I know that I just see one little piece of it. And, and, and you only see one piece of it. And so we got to talk about these things. Gotta, we got to wrestle these things out that the, that, the, that the writers of scripture each see pieces of it. And so there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of community that that takes in order for us to figure out what is the best and most helpful way to live life together. In our church, there has been a shift. There's been a shift of, if in, in just very general sort of stereotypical terms, there's been a shift of uh, being more conservative on the more conservative side of things to being a little bit more liberal in the general stereotypical ways of thinking about that. And I wanna say something to those of us that find ourselves on the more conservative side of things is thank you for doing this. Thank you for being a Berean. Thank you for saying, hey, that sounds good. I know that sounds good to to some of y'all. Maybe it sounds good to me, but I need to go check it out. I need to talk about this. I need to ask questions because if you're a little bit more, this is again, its a broad generalization, stereotypical. If you're a little bit more liberal and you hear some things that you like, maybe you're not as quick to go check it out. You're like, well, that's true. That's right. That sounds good. And so I'm good with it. I believe it. So we need, going back to what some of you may, have, may or may not have heard, is we need both a flyer, a person on the ground, and the kite itself. Now, ideally, when we look at people like the Bereans, we're both. Both we should be contained. Uh, both of uh, the kite and the flyer should be contained in a single person that the flyer, uh, the person holding the kite is the grounded priest, the one who is, uh, checking out the scriptures, who is going back and saying, let's slow down. Let's look back at this. Let's be slow and be careful. But then the kite up in the air is also saying, but I can see a whole lot from up here. And there's a lot that's happening as the winds of the Holy Spirit and the prophets and the mystics give us. Working together Intention. The Bereans did that. Many of you who have stayed who are the flyer, the one on the ground, you've been doing this work. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for checking it out. Please continue to do that work with and for us as a community of believers. So the Bereans, they had this community. I'll share one more example from my own life. Um, many, many years ago, uh, I was reading with the people that I lived in intentional community with. We were le- reading a book of the Bible out loud together. Uh, I think it was Colossians. And um, there were a couple of people who were in our community that were there. And there was within the book, the uh, the book of Colossians, you know, slaves obey your masters. And after we read that book, uh, this woman there named Lindsay, she was just going off about that passage and how her views of God have changed looking at this scripture. And for me, as a 24-year-old, um, I had yet to really examine and check that out very carefully in the text, and what that did is it sent me on a continuing to this day journey of looking at the scriptures because of that response of that one person. Because that type of community allowed for these types of practices to emerge, these types of thoughts to take place. And so the Bereans were people like that. They were able to receive a message with eagerness, but still to go check it out. They had hope with skepticism. So that's... Part of what we need to continue to cultivate here, we need to be thinking like Bereans. We need to look at our practices that we have eight of and our analysis, our community, and our humility. If you do these things we've been talking about, if you can receive ideas, listen with eagerness, check it out, talk about it, wrestle with it in community, the end result will be humility. It will be humility. It will be to realize oh man, I thought this was real simple and real easy and real clear until I heard how that harms other people who were able to speak up in this context. That the way that I think and look at life actually hurts and harms other people within this community of the brotherhood of human beings in this city of Memphis that we live in. It gives us a chance to think more like Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas is an Italian priest, theologian from the Middle Ages, and he is one of the most influential thinkers that has resulted in Western Christianity today. He, um, he wrote something called the Summa Theologica. And it's this giant like five volume text that he wrote for beginners in, in the Christian faith. He wanted to make something approachable for the laity. And so he sat down to, to write this thing. He didn't even finish it. Right. But that was his goal. And I I don't agree with everything Thomas Aquinas says. I don't agree with anything anyone says, not even myself. Said something to Becky the other night and I said, I shouldn't have said that. I don't agree with it. I'm sorry. (laughs) It was too late. But Let me share this quote with you. It's in your bulletin as well. It's on the bottom of your bulletin from Thomas Aquinas when he uh, talks about this idea of how we look at the interpretations of Scripture like the Bereans here. He says this, One should adhere to a particular explanation of Scripture only in such measure as to be ready to abandon it if it be proved with certainty to be false lest Holy Scripture be exposed to the ridicule of unbelievers and obstacles be placed to their believing. It's really interesting what he's saying here. He's saying, if we at any one point believe, we've just got it down because this other person said it the same way that we look like and think like then we can be a hindrance to people coming into a full life of belief in our Lord and Savior who has done so much in our lives. We could be a hindrance to that happening because we hold to something and it hasn't been tested. It really hasn't been checked out. It's only been checked out in a very small, narrow margin of people who tend to look and think very similarly to us. So We've got to hold it looser if we don't want to create barriers for other people to experience the life that many of us have been walking in with Jesus as our Savior, as our Messiah, as our Lord. I think that is an appropriate warning for us and to think seriously and critically about. The Bereans were able to do that. Can we do that? I believe that we can I believe it's a process and a journey. I don't think we can just show up there automatically through a sermon, but I think that we can get there through our practices and through how seriously we take these things, this work and community together. So this is what I want to do for for the next couple of minutes. Just give us a specific warning around all of this work about how that we, how we view our perspectives, how we learn to think more like a Berean, how we hold things in tension, and then also a challenge for us. So the first warning is, do your best not to believe new ideas quickly. Do your best not to believe new ideas quickly. Sometimes, If I were to be in conversation with any one of you, I might have an idea that I've thought about and wrestled with and practiced in my life for a long time, and I want you to believe it. But I don't want you to believe it, at least not right away. I want you to check it out. I want you to wrestle with it. I want you to do your due diligence with those things because eventually, somewhere down the line, that might lead to a decision that you make or do not make. And those decisions have consequences for the people in our world. So don't buy that car because it's that really pretty shade of red that you like. Think about it, hold on to it, even if it looks really good and it sounds really good and you're just sure he was the one. Check it out first, take your time, work on it, let it sit let it ride for a little bit, let it percolate for a little while, and then see what it looks like, see what it smells like, and then have some more conversations about it. Because what happens then is you begin to transform the type of person that you are and the way that you can interact with people who are different from you, which by the way, that just means anybody else then you can do that work. Man, are y'all with me this morning? I ain't heard nothing. I ain't even heard a cricket chirp. I ain't heard anybody cough or sneeze. Somebody, just say, just say amen for me somewhere. Somebody say amen. Okay, yeah, thank you. I see you, right? But I gotta check it out. Are you really there with me? Is this a hologram? Am I in the matrix or something? Woo, that's an old reference. Some of you millennials are like, the matrix? What is, that? is that a new app on the smartphone? <laughs> Here's um, a guy named uh, Aristotle. Some of you may have heard of him, uh, one of the, the greatest thinkers of Western philosophy, who, by the way, Thomas Aquinas was very, very influenced by. He had this to say about this very idea. He said, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. What a novel idea. It sounds so simple. Yet, we very very rarely do that. We very rarely want people to do that. We want to throw out our ideas and how we think about the world and then stare and say, do you agree or disagree with that? Right? You need to agree so you can validate me, or you need to disagree so I know we ain't in the same camp together. That's totally, the Bereans would laugh at you. They'd say, like, are you kidding me? Dude, grow up, man. Like, we could talk about stuff. That's what we're here to do. That's the whole point of this thing. Let's talk it out. Let's reason things out together. Like the writer of Isaiah says, let's reason things out together. So that's our warning. Don't believe new ideas quickly. Second, our challenge. The challenge is to cultivate a noble perspective, a noble perspective. Noble is the word used here that Luke describes the Bereans as more noble character than the Thessalonians. And what he means by that is basically open-mindedness. He means that they were able to contend and to hold those ideas, similarly to what Aristotle said, and to be able to engage with those things. And so that's what we need to do is to cultivate a noble perspective. Let me let me give you an example of how that can be so helpful, uh, with nothing uh, directly to do with church and Jesus and things like that. So, when I cultivate this type of perspective in my personal life, and I have people at my house, or I'm standing with my wife next to other people, and I give space for them to ask questions and to talk about things. I learn more about my wife because what happens is because they're not me and they're not very familiar with my wife like I am. I'm so familiar with her. I see her every day. So I think I know her. But then somebody who's never met her before asks her a question about her life. And I'm like, whoa, you did that? Oh, you think that? Whoa, I just learned something totally new about you. This was the perspective the Bereans had about the scriptures. They knew, they were eager because they knew they were very familiar with the scriptures. And so they knew if somebody came in that was different from their community or had a different perspective, a way way of looking at things, that if they were to start asking questions and talking about those scriptures, then guess what? They would get to know God better. They would get to know their faith better. So that's why they could have that eager disposition. Because they knew if they continued to cultivate that, the only thing that they had to lose was their ignorance. That's the only thing they had to lose was their ignorance. Because none of, none of y'all in here smart enough to know everything there is to know about God. And I'm the first one on that list. None of you are. You ain't never going to get it. You're never going to arrive. You're never going to graduate with the PhD. And I now know exactly how God works and how to live in every aspect of life about it. There's been so many people wrestling with that. But that is a temptation. That's a temptation I have. Just in general, like, oh, if I was to get this certification or this degree, then, then I would get it. Then I would have arrived. Then I would be the best pastor ever. If I went and got an Enneagram certification, right? Then I would just be able to pastor people perfectly, right? It's a temptation for all of us. We want to think there's an end to it, right? That at some point we get to stop being human and we could just be God and just know everything and have all the right answers. But the Bereans knew that wasn't the case. They knew this was a wrestling that was always going to be there. So we better make a great space to be able to do that so we can be people who help usher in the kingdom of God rather than hold it at bay with all of our ignorance. So what are we going to do, people? How are we going to work this out together? We've got a lot of tools, but we've got to figure out the path forward together Um. As as we move more into this, thinking like these Bereans, so I say, if you got ideas, you share them. If you want more conversational spaces, let us know that we want to provide those things. If there's things that people want, we just this morning had, and I'm I'm getting I'm closing here shortly. Um, we had a mercy and justice cohort that we had our final meeting and we reflected on it together. And um, we got lots of great feedback and um, we heard uh, from the, how that experience changed people. And one of the feedback was, we want space to sit around like this and process things more. If that's you, let us know about that and we'll make those spaces available to you as we move forward in this work we're doing together. Because it's never gonna be easy. We're never gonna get there and say, shoo, wasn't that a lot of work we did back there? Well, now we're done, great, right? We're gonna have to keep checking it out. We're gonna have to keep working on it so that we can be the kind of people that usher in a greater knowledge and presence of who Jesus is and what a community can look like That is on that goal together, that pursuit together. A scholar named Kenton Sparks, he was speaking of a group of people who have crystallized this into something called an epistemology, which is concerned with how you know things, how you know whether something is true or not. This is what he says. He said, the advocates of this advise us to pay less attention to getting it right and more attention to becoming the kinds of persons who get things right. That's what I wanna do. I don't wanna spend all my time not being able to be present with people because I'm so worried about getting it right. I wanna be the kind of person who can rest in the grace of the death and resurrection of Jesus paid for my sins, rest in that grace, and be able to work it out with people who are willing to do that work together. To check it out like a Berean. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. Give us courage to think like the Bereans. Give us courage to learn from one another, to have hope with skepticism, and to rest in the grace of Jesus. Amen.